Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 13. NASDAQ Futures down 100. Uh, do we have the Professor uh, Kevin? You do. Good morning. Um, well, it's not a good morning if you're long uh, Palo Alto. Are you long Palo Alto uh, networks? Um, I've never been accused of that, so I must not be. Um, yeah, Palo Alto is, um, you know, they, they were uh, a hot item 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's one way of looking at it. Uh, the, uh, this is, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, as a, a gentleman who does some sort of uh, does some statistics work and, and does those kinds of things, um, and, and people look at uh, the market, which is supposed to be, you know, I'm going to be somewhat gross here, but when I, when I when I uh, learned about the market, people were absolutely convinced that the market knew everything. Now, this came from a long line of research. Uh, it said, uh, it's, "It's all it's all in your in your assumptions, right, Kevin?" Um, when I started the business, there were there were all kinds of firms. You know, there's still all kinds of firms, but there were way more firms back then because the combination in the industry for the last forty some years has been tremendous. The and every firm had, I won't say a bunch of nerds, a bunch of analysts that actually followed these companies. And I say this, you know, once a week, but something everybody I think needs someone understand and I want you to critique my logic there was a a, a total uh, where you know Bear Stearns, Hornblower and Weeks there was uh, Stiefel Nichols there were every place there had to be you know 20 these old places not little but it had 50-60 people working for them even out here on LaSalle Street much less in New York and these guys did the deep dive in all these companies I mean Pullman was always talking to analysts uh, people were always, you know, looking to see how many cars we delivered, how many railroad cars, how Pullman Swindell was doing, how Pullman Kellogg was doing. I mean, you name it, Trillmobile, and that's what these people did. They they did research on companies, and the idea was to find one that was a little cheaper or one that was a little too expensive or whatever. So the upshot of it was, the industry, I think, Kevin, for the most part, was so fairly priced that you did the absolute flip coin of that. Remember all the story when you were young. A monkey throwing darts at the Wall Street Journal page at night, where all the stocks were, and picking stocks did as good as the best analysts. So all you got to do is be a monkey. But th- that assumed that there were 
2,000 people scratching and clawing, making the numbers right. Once you get to that spot, yes, could you just randomly pick stocks in any given year and probably do as well as the next guy? Yes, because all these people were doing all this work. It wasn't in a vacuum, is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And then and the other thing was all of a sudden if you came in, I mean, if, if the if the president went into the can and came out going, I don't feel so good, the stock would instantly be down. The people's view of information was that it immediately like hit the market. Now, of course, it didn't really. Uh, but people's view was, the market was all-knowing, all-seeing. It was the omniscient, almost god of the world. And now that's, in the last several years, I've, I've said stuff on the air like, for my clients, for my clients that like to do riskier stuff, I'll do what I call earn, uh, earnings plays, where no no thought, no formula here, but if you look at the straddle, if a stock's trading 100, you look at the call and the put at the 100 strike and say it's trading 10 bucks. That tells you, you know, there's there's an implied volatility to that, but by and large, it's the number. That tells you that the market, all the buyers and sellers collectively, have somehow decided that $10 is is about the break-even of where XYZ is going to move after the earnings, because earnings are not a normal day. They're a discrete day where you know that that the news is going to come out on this company, probably followed by a some talk with the chairman or somebody, we're going to give guidance going forward. So it's a, it's not like your formula would indicate that there's this constant stream of information. No, there's not. Information comes out pretty discreetly, especially on earnings day. So if you were to say, what are the four days of the year that a, that a stock is liable to move, it's going to be the four earnings days. All right, so in general, you would see that these numbers are pretty damn accurate over a period of time that you still have like all these people supposedly doing all this research and they're going to come up with these numbers based on, you know, and, um, talking. a lot of companies don't give guidance, but clearly if Apple's buying, let's say, a screen for every phone and all of a sudden you call up the screen guy and he says, Apple just canceled all their orders for screens, well, then you, you can somehow put two and two together and say, well, the phone sales must be do- not be doing so hot, Lucy, type of thing. So there's there's this... The market has this expectation, and what I do, again, this is not any kind of formula or anything, I look at the, the calendar spread week to week vis-a-vis the straddle, and if the calendar spread is ridiculously cheap compared to the average for what the straddle is, I'll try that spread. Now, picking the strike, picking the direction, that's, that's usually above my pay grade, so I just usually do the one at the money. Anyway, this last year or two, I notice that even though we've had some pretty nice winners that probably made up for the losers, maybe and then some, Kevin, I'm going to get my ass kicked on most of these things. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to get my ass kicked on six of ten easy, maybe seven, and the three have been big enough winners to where I think I'm above it a little bit, okay? So I'm not, you know, everybody knows I'm pretty friggin' honest. Uh, but the thing that I've noticed, and I've mentioned it, I don't know, maybe a couple times you've been on, the straddle is getting to be I mean, I'm talking about if a stock is 100, straddles 10 bucks, and we do the 100 strike, the thing's open at like 125 or 75. The, 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 the movement is blowing through the straddles two and three times. And I, I, I tried to do this one last night in, in Palo Alto. The stock was, uh, what's 82? 82 plus 83 is what, 365? 
I was a little bearish in there, so I was trying to do the 355, thinking it might be down a little bit. Well, Kevin, it's down 82 bucks. This rattle was $38. $82 versus 38 This is happening all the time now. Now, what that means to, to me is, somehow or another, and I don't know why, the market, the players today, whether there's not enough of them, whether the information is too sparse, whether the reaction is getting crazier, somehow or another the market is having real trouble pricing stuff. And it's making me, like, really nervous. I mean, you look at a VIX right now, the VIX is, is roughly 15. It's up a little bit today again. It's 15.60. It's up a quarter, which is the, you know, the supposedly the, the worry. I don't, I don't think that thing's even right, Kevin. I, if, if these stocks can move, I mean, this, this is a, uh, what is it, 25, 30% move? That, that's, in, that's unbelievable. Now, t- tell me from a statistics side, what should I be worried about here? Or am I, I'm just giving you the observations. You tell me what's going on. Okay, so you want me to critique your logic? You know, I, well, there isn't any logic. I'm just giving you. I'm just giving you what it is. There, there yeah, is no I, logic I'm, there. I'm sitting there the whole time thinking, geez, what you know? I'm thinking back to Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin. You know, where they do that point counterpoint on uh, on there and so Jane, you ignorant slut. Yeah, I'm going to go, Tom. You ignorant. See, whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, I, I don't think the problem actually is a lack of information because. There, there is so much information in the world, um, and it, it's it, it, and and instead of when, you know you described all these analysts who had a job, now what you have is you have um, uh, you know everything sitting out there, and it's it's just a simple query to do the same kind of work. Um, and so I I think you you find that what is lost in that though is the ability to interpret. Um, you know, before, as you described, when when people are actually doing the research, they also are forced it to be. When you get immersed in the numbers, you're forced to get a grasp of what it means. And I think the idea that uh, information is not available, I don't think that's true. I think the problem is that people don't know what to do with it. I also think there's a problem that people don't really understand business strategy very well. Um, they don't understand product strategies. They don't, you know, all of those kinds of things. And so when you look at a company like Palo Alto, and I'll, you know, quip that it was hot 20 years ago, they were they were a big, you know, market leader with a, a big vision on how security worked um, in the day. But it's old technology now. It's run its course. And they don't have the product line to replace it that, uh, that some of the others uh, out there in the world do have. And I think that's, you know, that's the weakness. And people, people who don't really understand strategy and they don't understand specific markets, like, the, like a technology, a cybersecurity market like uh, Palo Alto, don't really have a good feel for what's happening and unfolding. And so it, it comes up to an earnings announcement and everybody's saying, oh, my God. And, you know, it, it, it's, it, we, we've just made it too easy to get the data and forgot to t- uh, tell everybody that that frees you up to find, you know, to really dive into the meaning. Well, two questions, though. The, for the, if their information or their stuff is getting old, stocks had a run from 180 to 365 in the last year. So somebody must have thought these guys were the cat's ass. Somebody did. But you know, remember when when a pro- when a product has run its course, 
well, you know, what are you really doing? You know, it's a cash cow product. You're just trying to squeeze as much out of it as you can. And so you get a really nice cash flow out of it for a while. But so, I mean, look at look at cable. Look at somebody like uh, um, Comcast, um, you know, Comcast Xfinity. Uh, what What's happening in the cable world? Well, people are, are trying to bail out as best they can, but they still they, they, they still got this, they still have the but, same well, company coming in with the other stuff, which is always yeah. well, yeah. So this is this is what you have to do. So let, let's take uh, let's take uh, Comcast an example for uh, for their cable services. What do they charge? Oh hell, two something probably. Yeah, yeah it's it, it's huge. They're just milking the cash cow. As people are steadily leaving, they're they're milking the cash cow. Now, if you were to back up three, four years, what were they advertising constantly? Bundles. Yeah. yeah, you can get our voice, you can get our data, you can get our TV, you can get a good deal on the bundle. When's the last time you saw one of those ads? I mean, actually, I, st- I still get them, but... I, I, I haven't seen one in, in two years. But what I see all the time is Xfinity Voice, wireless. Because they're going to wireless. Why? Because 5G is going to eat the lunch of the cable business. So they're trying to uh, reposition themselves to get up there with T-Mobile, with Verizon, with AT&T to have a big share of the 5G wireless market and eventually the 6G wireless market when that comes out. Because that is going to give people the bandwidth to pull, uh, to the ability to pull out of the air the kind of bandwidth that they have always had to rely on a wire coming into their house, a coaxial cable coming into their house to get. So strategically speaking, they're doing the right thing. But you know, was was Palo Alto out there doing the same kind? You know, applying the same kind of logic? Were they getting into, you know, some newer, more advanced um, uh, types of? Uh, well, security the, guy, the guys that are selling the stock thought eighty bucks think something's amiss. I, I just have one thing, Kevin. I don't, I don't believe. Uh, just, just in doing the show. I mean, I, I could, I could read Carl's newsletter. I could read some of Russell's books. You can and you should. And I, yeah, and I, I could read a couple of uh, Russell's books. It's still not the same as me asking him questions that are absolutely, you know, uh, key today. This idea that all the information is out there. I think Dan Janitas would say. What are you talking about? That's why I go to talk to people every day. Yeah, There's questions. Right. That's right, because people now have gotten to the point where I can push the button and get the information, and the answer to that is no. You can get the data, but data is not information. Right. Well, when you keep saying that, and I think you're right about that. I, I don't know how many people know that. I mean, I, I, mean, I need I need to talk to the CEO, and I want to ask him these ten questions. Here's the data, but the data the data lead me to the ten questions. Right. It should, yeah. It should lead you to the questions exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that the the, the quality of the information that is out there in terms of the analysts, these on these, some of these stocks, some some companies just don't decided now they don't give any guidance. Because remember, they had that that rule that went how many years ago was the you can't if uh, if if you have an analyst meeting, you can't tell those guys stuff at the meeting that you don't tell everybody else. I don't know how anybody enforces that rule anymore, but. Or, or it's even enforceable, so people just said, "Okay, we'll stop doing analyst meetings." Well, that it, I don't think that was the intent of the, whatever the law is, because you never really can tell what the intent of laws are. Um, but I think it's caused an issue. I'm, I'm, I'm my old my old standard used to be that if I can do the calendar spread for ten uh, percent of the 
of the straddle I was doing it. And now my brother Dan and I, because we do them together, and he goes, you know, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get down to where it's, now I won't do it unless it's under five percent. I mean, I've, I've really upped my my uh, test for these things because, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, the straddle's six bucks, the, the stock's up thirty. <laughs> what what the hell is that? So much for the market knowing all, Kevin. Yeah, but, you know, didn't know, didn't know all today. Did you say that? It, it did not know all today. Plus, I I really do think. So there we sit. Yeah, that's you know it, it's when when people say uh, you know talk about things like a lack of critical thinking skills. This is what's on the radar here. Uh, you know, this is what uh, th- this is where we break down, and you know these are not good skills. That, you know that we're teaching well in schools. No, I don't know what the. I'm not sure what we were, what all we're we're, we're teaching in schools. I had a, a long conversation last night with one of my friends on the block, an attorney buddy, and uh, somehow we didn't start this way, but we got into the amount of money that's different in some of these areas where people have money for schools and some people that don't, and it's it's really something. Uh, Kevin, one of our, uh, I don't know you remember, but one of my better buddies, I've known him forever, we're on the board of the CBOE together, uh, he's a, his family's been a big shot at uh, one of the boys' schools here in the city, they all went, the family went there, and there's been somebody of their name been on the board of the place for 60 years or something, and he was telling me that they, their cost of uh, putting a kid through school, it's a Catholic school, uh, in high school is a roughly 17, 18 grand, somewhere in there. Because they're they're leaner than public schools. I mean, to be blunt, uh, like way leaner, and the tuition's like fourteen or fifth, something like that. The tuition's less than what it actually costs, and they try and make the best up, you know, from endowments and other kinds of stuff. Plus, there's a lot of people who don't pay the full tuition, and everything that they do, you know, it's it's a, it's a drive for the football field. It's a drive for the new baseball infield. I mean, it's everything is is you know you're you're grabbing some dough, and then. Uh, my buddy was saying, well, his daughters all went to Loyola. One was on the state championship basketball team in a long time ago. Uh, Loyola's got nothing but money. I mean, nothing but money. And uh, where I mean, it's their tuition is, is like a small and college. Yeah, they did just reach out to me about uh, their upcoming fundraiser. Well, there, but there's there's never enough. There's always a something going on with the gym. Something like there need yeah, yet another that, ball that's field. Fine. You know, a, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm not. You know, I'm just saying. They, you're right. It's never enough. That's probably the best way to look at it. Well, it also isn't. I mean, if and, I and and, it, and and I'm not saying that in a pejorative sense. It's it's a steady stream of fundraisers, and they're you know I mean positioned with a, a lot of wealthy alumni people who live in uh, you know it's located in Wilmette, and there's a lot of people who went to school there that live in that area because they came from money. They still have and and they have it themselves and. Uh, uh, and Loyola does a nice job of staying in touch with its alumni. Well, and, and I think that it's when you have people you know, of people there's, there's of uh, two people I can't I I've never notified when I move, and somehow they find me, and that's my high school Loyola, and that's my college Notre Dame. Was, they find me, they track me down. Wasn't that a song? Who was that? Some I wasn't looking, but somehow you found me. Was that? Was that Joan? It wasn't Joan Baez. Who was that? Uh, it doesn't sound like Joan Baez. No, no, it doesn't. No. Uh, I don't know who it was. Tom. Anyway, but it, but somehow you found me. I do remember that. It, you know, but it's it comes down to I won't say the word entitlement, but 
but it is. And 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 you know, I listen. I, I love talking to this uh, gentleman for a million reasons. Um, but it, you contrast that with a Chicago public school on the south or west side. I mean, it's in terms of the stuff that's available. I mean, even my school, Maris. I mean, Maris has done real well since they went co-ed, and they're doing fine. But now all of a sudden, you know, uh, if I mean, I don't, I don't even heard of lacrosse. The only thing I knew about lacrosse is our buddy Joe Lepley played lacrosse. Notre Dame, he was from the East, East Coast, right? And they had a club team. Well, now, if you don't have a men's and women's high-end lacrosse field, I mean, you might, you might as well, in, in an area where people have dough, you, you, might, you better shut the school down, right? I mean, what do you mean? My, my daughter wants to play lacrosse. Where's your lacrosse field? Well, <laughs> we don't have one. Well, well, what the hell? My daughter wants to play lacrosse. She gets to do whatever she wants. I mean, and I'm willing to pay for it, which, which is the second part of that, right? So, I mean, the stuff you have and the stuff you need all of a sudden has become dramatically different than, not saying it's worse or better, but, I mean, if you go to dinner at, at Notre Dame now, it doesn't look like the dining hall we went through. You know, there's the Mexican carousel. Yeah, there's actually a, there's, have edible food. Well, I mean, our, ours, <laughs> what did the what did, what was the story? Was the man complained he had no shoes till he saw the man who had no feet type of thing? Yeah. No, I, I understand that. Although I was always suspicious of the sloppy joes. Well, my my, my you remember my buddy uh, Bill Moriarty? He was a he was a uh, he would he would come down and visit once in a while. He's a good basketball player. Flynn really loved playing with him. Uh, We'd, we'd sneak him in the rack, and we'd sneak him into dinner. Now, he was an Evans Scholar. Now, Evans Scholarships, you got tuition, and you got the Evans Scholar house, but there was no food involved. Yeah, I remember crashing there once with you guys. Yeah, well, there, was no, there was no food. So they knew every 59-cent burger, 60-cent, you know, uh, liverwurst sandwich at some bar, as long as you had two beers. They, they knew where all that crap was. And, and when we brought him to the dining hall, and he saw the dining hall, he goes, I mean, you guys just get to walk over here and eat this every night. This this is like heaven <laughs> compared to grunging around with no money in Milwaukee looking for the two-for-one specials. I mean, he thought our dining hall was, was, was like heaven. But, you know, we all, do, all we did was complain about it, right? It depends. It's all point yeah. of view. The kind of guy who would uh, track down the National Liquor Bar because you, for, for a buck you could get, a, or a couple of bucks you'd get a shot of beer and there would be a raw egg in the beer. You remember that? The oh, special. yeah. They also had... Uh, uh, a boiler maker, which was the, the ten ounce beer, the eight ounce beer with the, the shot of booze in it, was was what seventy five cents or something. Yeah, something like that. Something absurd. I remember we bought a, a case of beer for it was under two bucks. If you bought it, they gave you a free quart. <laughs> yeah, I remember quart bottles. Yeah, when was the last time you saw a quart bottle of beer? Uh, it's been ages. God. <laughs> the uh, anyway, so. I'm I'm nervous, Kevin, about just in general how the market is being priced here, because normally you, you think it's supposed to be priced, you know, pretty accurately. Now these guys having this kind of move, they they've been riding the, you know, the curve of this. Anything that has to do with high tech has been running up. Now, Nvidia was down a bunch yesterday. It's down again today. It was seven twenty or something. It's down to six eighty. Now their earnings are tonight, and I'm going to say. Uh, something I still have it up here. I'm going to say that their straddle. I looked at it. I think yesterday, and I thought it was like eighty dollars. So okay, the six, the seven o twos last night were uh, forty two and thirty four. So th- this week it's seventy six bucks. So I was pretty close. 
is this if this thing goes three times straddle, Kevin, that's like a lot of it's a long way. I'm not I'm not predicting that, but I'm just gonna try and figure out if we want to do some earnings in here tonight. I I I better get a really good price or I want no part of it. I mean, where's this thing gonna go? I mean, we just we just saw a place with 38 is now down uh, 85. Now this one, they're they're they're, they're 78. Could they possibly do? Do I, I? Boy, I don't. I don't want this thing moving 150 bucks. That's going to shake some. That's going to shake some curtains, won't it? Yeah. And the the question is, what's the life cycle of the technology behind it? And it, that's probably a little bit longer than, you know, to get an idea. You know, look at go back and look at cloud because we, you know, we could. That was all we talked about for a while. And cloud is still there, and it's still making a lot of people a lot of money. Um, but it is past that rapid growth stage and it's more into the uh, you know who, who, who is uh, you know the, the st- you know it's a stable market now um, and it's not going to grow a ton so you know where uh, where do you go with that well you know I think Nvidia is going to hit that sooner or later aren't they yeah well I mean it's that's one of the most I mean, as you know I've been in this business for a long time uh, one of the most intriguing things about the business if you were to ask me on my dying day, which hopefully isn't for a while, uh, three or four things that really keep you in the market. And I never, I never can figure out, Kevin, it's very, it's very, I'm going to say me, I don't know if anybody can figure out when a company or when, when something is every, every swinging idiot and and person on CNBC three years ago, Cloud, 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 cloud. Did I say cloud in the last forty words or not? If no, if not, I'll say cloud. And all of a sudden, one day, you never hear about it. Same five years yeah. ago. Was, well, yeah, but and, and and that's because it, it it's out of the growth cycle and and into a, a more flattened uh, usage curve, and and that's fine. That's good. But also keep in mind that cloud has enabled a lot of the next technologies that follow on. Oh, I'm not not denigrating. And so it hasn't it's it hasn't gone away. It's going to continue to parallel to some extent growth in the technologies that use the cloud. I, I'm not denigrating at and, all. And the, the reason it's, it, it's big is because nobody can store all that data themselves. They've got to push it somewhere. Well, right. But, but I get my, my message, of course, I never I never get the right message out. Uh, let's go back to eBay. eBay was revolutionary. It was incredibly high-priced. Matter of fact, I don't know how many years ago it was, I did a calculation that when they used, when they were charging like a dollar of an auction when they first started out, mm-hmm. all of a sudden the stock is to the sky, right? So I sat there and did a, a calculation based on how many auctions you'd have to do because the stock was you know a zillion times revenue, a zillion times earnings, that kind of thing. So I actually went through it at a dollar a transaction. I figured that something like forty percent of the population would have to do four transactions a day. Just for the stock to be worth what it was trading. <laughs> now, obviously, they they found a way to raise prices and stuff. But the the trick is, I mean, the question is, when does eBay go from this incredible growth? You can't touch it. If you short it, you're coming out with you know on a slab with your feet first. And what's her name? Meg was it Meg Whitman was yeah, selling was how many point. shares yeah. of stock every month, making an absolute fortune. And all of a sudden, one day, without any, any fanfare whatsoever, they're just another retailer. And you know. They're, they're, and, and they still exist, but they yeah. are not. They, they aren't. A, they aren't a thing. Well, but they, I mean, people still use them a lot. They have people eBay Motors. I mean, it's not like they're they don't do the job. But all of a sudden, one day, eh, yeah, they're, they're, they had, they had some innovation, but now they're kind of just another retailer. Now, is Amazon going to get to that point? Maybe because they they keep 
pushing the distribution and other stuff, maybe they can fend that off for a while. But someday, somewhere, eh, they're no different than Walmart. They, they deliver stuff too, and they're no different well, and, than. And what are you seeing? Who's making a run at them now? Well, there's a few people actually. I mean, yeah, there are a few people out there, and Walmart chief among them, and and who has the ability to make a run at them? And I would say Walmart does. Well, that, my point is, and, and, and it's not that they're going to knock them out of business. It's just that they're going to grab enough market share so that it isn't, you know, th- so that the world isn't built entirely around Amazon anymore. Well, my well, my point is on the on the trading side of it. I mean, you just described exactly what happens, but on the trading side of it. At one point, eBay was 150 times earnings, you know, 15 times revenue. And yet a regular retailer is 17, 18 times earnings, maybe. And, you know, God knows what times revenue probably, uh, not, you know, I don't, I don't even, it's not times revenue at all. Revenue is probably more than the stock price, or some of them. Uh, that's probably two times revenue. Um, and when one is... You can become a monopolist. That's why, you know, some of the th- stuff we want to talk about with your classes, I mean, how much can we talk in time we have to talk about them. I mean, Home Depot is maintaining this pretty high P.E. So is Costco. Home Depot, you know, for a longer period of time maybe. Is that because they're a lumber store? Or is that because somehow or another competition can't get at them? Because you you, nobody's going to order a 2 by 4 on Amazon yet. Um are they uniquely positioned to where they're not just a retailer, they're, they're, a, they're sort of a monopolist cartel, them and Lowe's. And, and, in, and in towns across the country, I'm going to say they are a monop- somewhat of a monopolist in, in virtually in an awful lot of towns. You know, just like a, a Walmart. I mean, if you're in, in Colorado or someplace, or even Wisconsin, was a town we used to go up there uh, near Green Lake, and there was this beautiful uh, Kmart. Well, there was no there was no way Walmart was getting in that town. The Kmart had everything, and it wasn't big enough for another store. Now the Kmart went down. I'll I'll bet Walmart or Target one of those guys scooped it up. Uh, in some some of these places, you can't you're not they're not big enough for two big boxers. So there's this in, interplay between monopoly cartel oligopoly going on with some of these places. They're not just retailers. Can you follow me, or do you think I'm totally yeah. wrong? Yeah, I mean it's it, it is how markets uh, how markets emerge, and I think it's really important uh, for investors to understand that. And uh, and and I think that's where it's lost because we are so so um, dependent on you know data at the push of a button that we lose track of our ability to interpret it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, but now if the market's doing that, we should go to break here. If the market's doing that, I'm, I'm not so sure other than being aware of it. You know, I, I think everybody really has to be even more protected than I thought we, we did. I mean, I, I can't imagine if I had, you know, if I had 20 clients that were long the stock without any protection. Jesus, Kevin, I'd feel awful this morning. I mean, uh, I mean and there are people that are like that. I mean, there's, we have a bunch of people that, uh, some of the places that I uh, do some business with for the protected stuff, I don't know what they're going to do if, if Nvidia. Is, I'm not predicting this. If anything, I think it'll probably be up a hundred bucks because that chairman seems to be able to pull a rabbit out of his hat. But if that thing's down a hundred and some bucks, I mean, I, where are you going to get that money back if you're just, if you're just naked along it? Uh, I don't know. S&P futures down twelve seventy five. Nasdaq futures on one hundred four. Be right back, stocks and jacks.
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 1115. NASA Futures down 96. This is after a couple days in a row of losses, which we haven't had in quite some time. Dow Futures down 66. Uh, and as I said earlier, the one that is really uh, um, going crazy here is this uh, Palo Alto is down 86 bucks to 279.80, which is getting people nervous because NVIDIA's earnings are tonight. Uh, so I'm not saying there's a connection there, but whatever. 
Uh, DAX up 82.5%, FTSE down 62.8%. That's sort of interesting. Uh, CAC around up 19.2%. Um, British Pound's having some problems this morning. Plus, HSBC's down almost 8%. Uh, so that's causes part of the problem over there. Malaysia Nikkei down 101.2%. Hang Seng up 255. That's 1.5%, 16,503. Shanghai up 28. That's a full 1%, 29.50. Looks like they might go back to 3,000 as the... Uh, the uh, Chinese government is still trying to prop that market up over there. It looks like they're starting to have a little, little success. Yesterday, Dow was down 64, S&P down 30, NASDAQ down 144. So kind of a dim day for the NASDAQ yesterday. Bonds down uh, one basis point, 2.4.26. The blend unchanged, 2.38. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.72. We've got oil down 31 cents, 76.83. So down from the 78 plus it was on uh, yesterday morning. Uh, but it's uh, still kind of above the range it was in. Uh, Brent down 34 cents, 82 bucks. Natural gas up 16 cents, 174. Talk about a dead cat bounce. Uh, Arbob up a penny, 229. We've got the foreign exchange again. The, the British pound has been a little heavy here. The, the pound is uh, 126. It was up, you know, 127 and a half there for a while. Uh, Euro is uh, 107.9, which is kind of where it's been. So not much going on there. Gold, which is trying to make a little bit of recovery back here to the 2050 number. It's actually down 30 cents, 2039. Silver down a penny, 2312. Copper up a penny, uh, 387. Bitcoin down 718, 51,393. That's been, that's been rallying a lot lately. Uh, we'll see where that goes uh, in the next couple of months. Um, you know, anyway, that, that, that thing's a story. We, we haven't talked about that in a while. Maybe we should one of these days. Anybody got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? No, no Bulls, no Hawks, no, nobody can lose, no play. Yeah, exactly that. I was going to ask you if there were any sports updates that I was missing. Um, but it is currently 6.46 here in Chicago on Wednesday, February 21st. And exactly that, uh, not too much going on in sports as of late. Uh, but moving on to Chicago weather, it is currently 44 degrees. We're going to have a high of 60 today. We're going to have partly sunny and mild skies out there. And over in Phoenix, they are currently at 56 degrees. Uh, it's currently partly cloudy, but they're going to get some more sunshine throughout the day, reaching a high of 72. And finally, for Chicago traffic, we got thankfully no major accidents to report or shutdowns. Looking not too bad at all today. Uh, nearly all inbound roads are about medium, a little bit of slowdowns uh, about halfway through. But the only thing to really take note of is if you're coming in on the Stevenson, a little bit of some slowdowns near Central Avenue. Things are running uh, a bit slower around there. But other than that, roads are looking pretty clear today. So that is all I got. Back to you, Chief. The uh, Kevin, have you been following this uh, somewhat of an absurd thing? We'll kind of shift gears here into sports a little bit. The White Sox are actually thinking they're going to get a new stadium along with the Bears. I mean, what... What we have not paid off the ones that they have now, and people are still paying interest on the old place, and will continue. And now, would they want us to build them another one? I mean, it, just just for for uh, giggles and whatever, the Reinsdorf Group, from what I understand, his sons are really into stadium building, and from what I've heard, there hasn't been a stadium that's gone up like anywhere around the world that they don't have some kind of contract in. Security contract, something that, is, that goes on like forever. There's there's amazing amount of money in these places, even if the public always gets shafted. And there's always, you know, a lot of people that are, are the mayor's all for it. Well, sure, he's got five or six people that he plans on giving certain contracts to construction and gun. Kevin, 
when, when are people going to get tired of this crap? Ever? No. No, everybody's going to be outraged about it, but uh, on the other hand, don't you dare let my team leave. Well, I mean, if, if, if the Sacks left, why, why would, if the Sacks were to leave and you were to offer that stadium in Chicago to uh, the team from Tampa that can't get anybody to show up for a, a million five a year or whatever their lease is, I think you'd see blue smoke coming out of there behind me getting up here. I don't. I, 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 I have their management team in in Chicago than uh, <laughs> than the White Sox. You you wouldn't tell me that the Jacksonville, which is the team that's you know kind of on the the part that goes over the ba- the fence last and in the NFL wouldn't wouldn't take the deal the Bears have at Soldier Field and become the the Chicago Jaguars. Uh, you know, I'm not sure about that. Why? Because nobody wants to play in a stadium that size. Um. Why do you say that? Because it's small, by NFL standards. Okay. And what does that mean? What do you mean, what does it mean? It means you can charge more per seat. What's the difference? Yeah. I, you know what? I'll tell you what everybody wants. This is This is what everybody wants. Everybody wants to own their stadium, which is not what the White Sox are necessarily talking about, but... Um, everybody wants to own the stadium, and they want to have an entertainment district around the stadium, and that way they can make a ton of money. That's that's Mark Cuban. You know, that's that's what he's doing. Is uh, um, you know he 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 wants to build this big castle, so he got one of his partners to take this the team part of it off of his hands, so that he could develop the entertainment district. This is you know this is where sports are going. It's about you know it's about building out. Uh, you know, entire areas, and I, you know, whether that's uh, whether that's a, a room, a place for infinite growth or not, is is very debatable. But um, but that you know, that's sort of where we are now in terms of what people want to do. Um, that's 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 the now. I I don't know that the White Sox couldn't do that in the current location. Um, that they could buy up the land around. I mean, you've seen it with the Cubs, right? They, I mean, the Cubs own their stadium. But they have pretty much bought the neighborhood, and uh, and and built out the whole area around it. Uh, it was already it was built out before. Yeah, and and when it comes to baseball, that's doable. But when it comes, well, it was you know it wasn't built out in the same way. You, you got you you have to grant that the Cubs have done a lot of uh, a, a lot of work around the area. Okay. Okay, you know, for you know, you can say for what it's worth. You can say it's it's good, bad, and different. I, I don't care about that. I'm just telling you what they're doing, and uh, and you know what they're doing is uh, um, you know they they want to own the rights for uh, to what goes on around their uh, their ballpark. Now in baseball, you at least get the 81 dates. In football, you don't get enough dates, and that's why for the football model, you ha- it's it has become so important to teams. Uh, that they have other revenue sources around it, because and, and it isn't that they can't make money with what they have. It's just that they want to make more. Um, well, I don't think that, I don't think more, they can. That's what requires building out something in the area, um, you know, like they have in Phoenix, like they have in uh, the New Los Angeles area, like they have in Minneapolis, etc. And uh, uh, and that's just that that's the way they've gone with it, and and they. 
think they can make a fortune doing it. If um, good you, for them if they can, I suppose. But if you and I had uh, known about this PANW thing and shorted ninety bazillion shares of stock and bought position limit puts and made I don't know how much that would be, <laughs> be a lot of money. Let's pick a number. It wouldn't be this much. But let's say we just won one, shrewdly invested our way to $3 billion. And we want to buy a piece of property someplace, and we want to put a stadium up, and we want to put 15 bars around it and a hotel, and God knows what else. I think we should be able to do that, Kevin. This is America. You get to do that stuff in America. If I say... I want your three billion dollars to give me all this stuff. Then I got a problem. With it. Yeah, I don't, I don't argue with that. I'm just telling you when you say that Jacksonville would jump on it, I'm saying no, they wouldn't because they have no other revenue sources that they can get out of the Soldier Field area. Oh, oh but I mean, this this is this is the the constant, I'll say, discussion I have with people. The Bears don't get concert revenue. The Bears don't own the place. I don't in the building we're here and there's a bar downstairs. I don't get the lease from the bar. Okay, well why should I? I'm a renter. The Bears pay six million dollars a year. That's a steal, Kevin. Why would that give them anything else? Why would that give them share of a concert? If they want to pay forty million a year and negotiated that in there, well then we'll talk. But they don't. I, 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 this kind of, I mean, whenever I have this conversation, not with you, because you, you're, e- you're easy to be logical with. Why would anybody else think the Bears should get part of anything? They're not paying for it. They don't own it. They have a discount yeah. lease. I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you on it. I'm just telling you that, that, that that's not the, way, uh, it's not the way teams see it, and well, they get these deals elsewhere, so they take the deals elsewhere. Well, but, I mean, the, the deal in Dallas, and I'm not, you know... <laughs> I don't know if I love it when he loses. I don't. Uh, but Jerry Jones, because he's so involved in the team, it's kind of cool when he loses. But uh, that dude has spent uh, the original deal for that place was they were going to put up $325 million. $325 million. That's a lot of dope, Kevin. The area was going to put up three twenty-five because they were going to use it to... I think they had a couple of trailer parks there. They, they had... Less than than high end property around there, and plus it's right near a uh, uh, kind of a Great America kind of place. I don't know the name of it. And they kind of wanted this area around there sort of gone. It was if you're not familiar with the area, there was this real nice hotel which I stayed, and I and it's within like you know we're talking ten minute walking distance, five minute walking distance to Texas, the old Texas Stadium, Arlington, uh, ballpark in Arlington that didn't have the roof. No, so. Further on from that, maybe a half a mile down, is where the, the Cowboys Stadium is. So they use that to clean out this area and uh, and all that kind of stuff and, and put this gorgeous place up. Well, Jerry Jones not only came up with the 325, he said that's not good enough, This the $625, $650 million place. Now, this was a while ago, so prices have gone way up. He, he He's now up to like a billion one. The other five hundred million has all been his, and, and and he goes in and he basically says, "Wait a minute, if you're taking a pee in this one can, there's not a TV up there while you're in the can taking care of business. I want a TV up there." 
He's he's made it a, a a place where even if you don't have a seat, you can go hang in the inn, you know, giggle with the girls and, and, and try and meet somebody or whatever and go to the game and it's a nice place to go and there's TVs all over the place. It feels like you're in your living room only better. Okay, but but he paid for all that, Kevin. And I and I, I don't begrudge him a dime for a demolition derby, for a concert, for anything. Why would I? It's America. If that's that's different than saying the Bears should have all that when all he ever did was play a rock bottom lease. That we're not even on the same planet, I don't think. Yeah, but what? So what are the Bears going to do? I think they're willing to develop. Say they go out to Arlington Park, which I don't think is a given at this point. But if if they do, look, they're looking for tax breaks and infrastructure, and we should argue vigorously about that because whether you know whether that should happen or not, uh, and to what extent it should happen, is uh, is certainly a cause for debate. But. Uh, but they should, I, and I think the plan is for them to do all the development. I'm sure they'll find out they're the bears, so they'll find a way to do it with other people's money. But, um, uh, but you know that that should all be private development money there. Well, but they they want a TIF region, which means they can, if you buy if you buy a bond there, you're going to get a tax deferred. Why? If you and I build a building, we don't get a tax deferred. Um, I mean, I get what I'm saying, it, it, but the personalities, Kevin, this is, you know, I don't know any of the McCaskies. I don't, what I do know about them, I'm not thrilled at all. I mean, me being a, even though I'm not going to church every week, a reasonably staunch Catholic and a godfather to two, two nephews and niece and a friend of mine's kid, I take that responsibility very seriously. I, maybe that's the Italian in me, I don't know. But, uh, and we're not Sicilian, but still, it's Italian. Um, McCaskey, Mike McCaskey was godfather to the three Hallis kids. And they screwed the living bejesus out of those kids when they forced them out. Well, I would never do that to my god kids. So I, I have no love for these people. And, but just the idea, they, they rented at Wrigley Field for what, 50 years? They rented at this place at, at a, on a, at a bottom-of-the-line lease. The family, I think, makes, my guess is, and I'm probably short on this, Two hundred, two hundred and ten million dollars. They've never written a lease check over six million bucks, six and a half. Now this same family is all of a sudden going to put up a a five billion dollar place, or even if the interest rates, if they get it at six, we're talking three hundred million dollars to start the year, just an in interest, which blows through the two hundred and something that I think they're making from football. So they're starting ninety in a hole by my count. That that lady is going to write that interest check. If she if she's still around, that'll be the grabber for her. I I don't see her leopards don't change their spots, Kevin. You don't go from six and a half to three hundred on a shaky pen. I, I don't think so. Unless you can somehow find all kinds of other people to give it to you on a platter. And that's what they're doing. They're going from city to city right now looking for the platter. And as far as I'm concerned, screw them. That, but that's me. Well, and you, you know what's going to happen is Virginia is going to die. There's going to have all kinds of tax implications of the transfer of the uh, ownership of the team, and they're going to want to sell, which is which is going back to the White Sox. Yep. I'm sure exactly what Reinsdorf has in mind. He's just trying to increase the value of the team so that he can sell it for top dollar. Right, well, and, his, and his kids are all involved. I don't think I don't think care about the baseball part, but they're all involved in, in stadiums all across the world, really. Which is fine. I have nothing wrong with that. They're probably really good at it. I mean, they've been in it for a long time. I, 
I'm not saying that they, they don't do a really good job for security in the new soccer stadium and God knows where they probably do. So it's not like, I mean, I'm sure there's competition. I, I'm not saying anything bad about that. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just, when, when you have, I'm going to say you could have a table of 15 people over at the series, and I'll be discussing this with them. Well, how can I say this politely? The 14 morons I'm talking to have no idea, Kevin, that when they get the check for the, for the cocktails that night, they're paying a percentage of that going to pay off White Sox Park. They don't even they don't even know they're paying for it right now, and not Reinsdorf. I mean, at least people should be aware that Soldier Field is horrible. The deals the Bears have, their their lease is so low that that the taxpayers on the hook for what a couple hundred million dollars there if they leave. The Sox Park is not paid for. How could it not be paid for after twenty years? I mean, people. I think. I think. In order to have the conversation, the people you're talking to, but you know, today, today's world, everybody's got an opinion. What did Aaron Aaron Burnett say? They opinion. Are like, yes, they, uh, they 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 are like assholes, and uh, most of them, uh, everybody has one, and most of them stink. Yeah, I mean, it, actually, I think pretty much all of them stink. Yeah, I would say that. Um, so I mean, I mean, so I mean, how how. How can you put up a new stadium for somebody right next to the one that, that you're pay, you have isn't paid off right now? <laughs> I mean, I. It's like buying a new car, Tom. You just roll it in there. Well, I was uh, I have it in in my files here. Instead of just the Chicago thing, there's there's a couple of university pre- uh, not presidents people that did studies, and one of them is all done. Uh, I didn't realize that Salt Lake City has had several public stadiums. Uh, they got, I think, the basketball stadium. They, don't they have a Triple A team? Anyway, there's like probably three or four. There's a soccer stadium too. Every one of them has been an absolute albatross for whatever deal these teams cut. None of it came home to roost for the for the city of Salt Lake City. Not one. Uh, the one down in Gary for the uh, the was it the Railcats is a total yeah. is a total fiasco. And you know what that guy did? He ran around to all the preachers gave them money so that they all showed up saying what an incredible thing it would be for duck community when they were getting money from the guy. The thing has been a total loser every year. I want, I want, I want to see just one. Well, yeah, because who's going to go see independent league baseball? Well, what, what, I'm just know, saying. How, how many people do they think they're going to draw there? Well, uh, even, that, that's a question that uh, apparently people didn't ask enough when they were ready to build it. Well, I mean, even even the, the the Cubs situation, and I'll just give you one little sample of that. Is as you recall, since you're you know you're not the youngest guy around, what was next to the stadium when when we used to go there? There was an old railroad track, right? And there was the there was the car wash, and there was what a Dunkin' Donuts or some kind of Mister Donut or whatever. Donuts or something like that, yeah. And there was and there was a parking lot that the players all used, and you know, brick house and those guys. And the Cubs all use right. It's it's how many. It's 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 several acres, to the direct west of the park. And as the park, you know, angles the one way, it's like a pie-shaped thing. As as Clark Street, you know, is an angle, right? So it gets wide every time it gets the wave on. It's a pretty big piece of property. Well, when the Tribune sold the the thing to these guys, they. Just told the city, well, that was their property. It, it was never their property. It was it was an old railroad easement from like 1920 or something. So the the Cubs sent the city. I got a copy of it. 
uh, a copy of the deed. Kevin, the thing had been, I use the term mimeographed so many times, you couldn't even read it. They had the balls to send that to the city. And they said, no, this, this is our property. No, it wasn't. It was a railroad easement that they had been using. And actually charged it into car wash and the other place rent for like 50 years. A property they didn't even own. You couldn't write fiction like this, Kevin. So if you and I, and I knew some people that did, as the Cubs really started to catch fire in the early 80s, with the 305 games, which were spectacular. I mean, the best time I've ever had in my life was those games. Uh, all these bars, people were spending you know, a million dollars for a storefront and making a bar. And We're talking millions of dollars for a bar down the block that you and I, guys like you and I, owned. Well, they ended up selling that property to the Cubs when finally they, they said, look, idiots, it's not yours, you got to buy it. I think the number was like 400, 450 grand, Kevin, for how many acres adjacent to a ball field? And, and you and I would have had to pay a million dollars for a storefront down the block? And you say how the Cubs have done is, is great stuff for the neighborhood. They gave them the neighborhood. I mean, I, it, why, why can't they pay regular price? I mean, I, I don't get it. I honestly don't get it. It's not like you, you can have this for well, this that's price. That's for suckers. Yeah, well, that's for suckers, is right. It, it, it's not like, okay, you guys can have this for 450 grand and you can put up as many bars as you want here, but oh, by the way, you've got to only charge a buck and a half for a beer for the next 20 years. Maybe maybe I'd go with that deal. <laughs> That's not the deal either, is it? Uh, apparently not. And, and they get the the, the uh, zoning to put that big Granger building there. How did how did that property ever have zoning? They have what is it a six story office building? Where did that come from in that neighborhood? I, if you could do it, I guess you could do it. But you and I couldn't have done that. I, I guess it's the city. It works. It works for some, doesn't it? Yeah, that's about right. Um, so, what do you do? We have a uh, we have Russell. He must be around somewhere at seven oh six. Kevin, we're gonna have to. I'm just. I've, I've been lurking for a while. I've been listening for about a half hour. Um, you, I think you could be a good lurker. What do you think? Well, it, you know, it, what's funny is the topic that you're talking about. I was on the news in Indianapolis talking about stadium financing recently. Um. Ooh. Ooh, so what did you say, Kevin? You can hang if you want. What no, you... They, uh, they, they. I like the way they do it down here, which is, uh, and I say here because I'm in my office here. But um, I, what what they're doing is they're building a soccer stadium, uh, really close to the AAA stadium, and basically the way they're going to finance it is the team's going to chip in, and they're going to have a special taxing district right in a bunch of other kind of crap around the the soccer stadium uh, that should pay for it, and that way. Uh, the people, the, the way it's getting paid for is by the people that are actually using it. Okay, wait a minute. Now, give us a special ta- explain that to everybody. What does that even mean? Uh, it's not a special taxing district. I don't know if that's the exact title, but all the businesses that are going to be adjacent to where the um, the soccer stadium is, uh, they'll have a a, a a lightly higher sales tax than other parts of Indianapolis, and that will contribute to paying off the uh, you know, to paying for the soccer stadium. Okay, so that's and you know you know who funded stadiums very well. And one of the great things about that is you're taking money from the people that are using it. You're not taking money from me because um, I'm not here full time, and I don't you know. And I'm, I, it's, I I have traumatic childhood experiences around soccer, so I hate it. 
so I'm never going to go, and I'm never going to have to pay for it. All right, so what... Um, what uh, I, I like going to independent league and AAA baseball games. I, I do, too. I, mean, I, I don't mind going to minor league games, Russell, but the independent league is uh, is not particularly good as well. It's fun to sit outside and drink a beer and not, yeah. you know, not, not deal with interesting people like you seem to deal with it both Wrigley and whatever they call the Sox Park now. Um, it's it's just such a much more casual atmosphere. I would be, I would back in the day I would have been much more willing, and I did. Um, we'd go to Schaumburg Flyers games and Kane County Cougar games. Um, I was much more comfortable taking my daughters when they were like five and seven to one of those games than to a Sox game where they're picking up all kinds of fun new words during the game. Uh, uh, yeah, no kidding. I, I I will say this that you know where <laughs> I live near South Bend. Um, we have a very, you know, we have a good, uh, well-run uh, Class A franchise. Um, mm-hmm. It's a Cubs affiliate, and the Cubs affiliation is has been very good for this sure. team because there's so many Cubs fans in the area. Uh, so we have that going for us. And on a nice spring day, I can always just go over to Notre Dame and for ten bucks or less get into a, a baseball game. And AC, yeah. they're in the ACC, and ACC's got a lot of really good baseball teams. So. You know, I can see some very good baseball here without having to do the major league thing that you're discussing. Um, I have a yeah, quick question. Ex- expensive and not exactly family friendly. Yeah, and, and not not necessarily great. So I, you know, I'll get yeah. to a Cubs game every year or so, but um, but it, you know, I, the the minor league stuff is much more fun. Um, let me ask you this: not to be doggy downer like I always am these days. Uh, how far are you willing to stretch that, Russell? Because I'm sure you know that the that the district that is paying the sales tax right now to pay for Sox Park, I think, is from Roosevelt Road to Chicago Avenue, from the lake to Halsted. What percentage of oh, people? Oh, really? What, I, yeah. What, I per- did not know that. what percentage of the people in that area do you think have ever bo- never been to a Sox game and ever want to go to a Sox game? Uh, there are lots of people that claim to be Sox fans that have never been to a Sox game. Well, I'm just saying, I, you know, I remember, I remember. Uh, just because of the uh, because of the expense involved in it. Well, the yeah. the, the the metropolitan. I, I'm going to go through this today. Make sure I'm right on this. I think the two percent hotel tax. Mm-hmm. I think goes for like the metropolitan pier. That's the, that's the McCormick Place thing, right? I mean, and there, there's some connection there. I think. Oh yeah, there's um, and and w- where I was going. Uh, a second ago was uh, where they built the Superdome. Uh, they they I think they added a dollar a night onto hotels in New Orleans, and that's and that's how they paid for the Superdome. Okay, and what percentage uh, so, of people that that go to New Orleans have ever been to the Super Bowl Superdome? Uh, Superdome. Well, one uh, percent, with the exception of using it as a shelter, um, probably a, a, you know, <laughs> not a whole ton, but yeah, I think it's much more attractive to to charge other people or to take the money from out-of-towners that maybe use the Superdome every once in a while as opposed to people in the neighborhood who never use it. Well, I, I have a... Uh... I, and, and then and you're, you're talking about um, you know the, the professional sports franchises getting sweetheart deals, which I think is just a travesty. Um, it just as far as the use of our tax dollars, I really do. Because they are private businesses at the end of the day. I... Uh... I have a, let me give me give me two yeah. minutes to to actually uh, come where I'm where I'm coming from on this. Um, yeah, guys, I'm going to drop off. All right, Kevin, thank you, bud. Uh, See you, Kevin. Uh, Russell, give me two minutes to show you where I'm coming on this because we have a 
probably a mutual friend, or at least he knows of you. Um, one of the most difficult guys to argue with uh, there is in the world. Um, and he's been on the show with us. His, he wants to give, like, the Sox money. All right? Whatever. Cubs money to Bears, whatever. We should do yeah. it because, you know, you, the Bears are so important to the city and blah, blah, blah. Because look at the people that come here to go to see the Cubs game, the Sox games, the Bears game, whatever. Uh, I think, but what I would like to do, because one of these days, if I was in your class, I wouldn't mind getting an A and not an F minus. You, <laughs> you say, the, you hear the other day when, when Hal said he gave some kid an F minus? Are you kidding? Yeah. I, I I got a couple I'd like to give that to. Um, <laughs> so so the idea is 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 people who bring this is this is the this is the the story you're supposed to be going with. People who bring mm-hmm. commerce to the city essentially from outside should essentially get paid for it because they do stuff for other people. Uh because and I'm gonna say on the surface, it's really hard to argue with that. Yet I'm going to say you might be one of the few people that know this, where for a long period of time, what were the two top uh, destinations for visitors in the city of Chicago? One I know you'll guess. Um, you know, if you're coming to Chicago, where are you going to go? Yeah. Well, not, you, you uh, may, you're probably not coming here for that reason, but when you're uh, here, you're going to go see something. Well, I would assume Wrigley is one of them. Eh. And. Really? Uh, and uh, my big guess is the Art Institute, just because it's right there in the middle of everything. Eh. Really? What are people going to see? Well, number, number one forever was Buck... No, number one for... Well, it may not be anymore. I'm getting old. Uh-huh. was Buckingham Fountain. Okay. I can see that. And the second, I think... Now, you know what? It's probably the Bean now. Probably seriously. is. Yeah, probably is. Yeah. Um, and I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if it's the glass floor thing at the uh, Sears Tower. Oh, easily. Yeah. But for a long period of time, this one, this was not necessarily safe for work. But have I ever told you about the first time I took my kid there? I'm not so sure. I want to go there. What happened? Uh, well, let's just say a young lady. It was really early, and there were only a handful of people up there. And there was a girl taking inappropriate pictures on the sly in the glass box. Ah, yeah. Something about Dupet leather. I saw, I saw something I shouldn't have seen. My daughter, I kind of steered her away from it. She was only like five or six. Uh, was this sort of the same? I didn't as, even go to the Sears Tower without yickiness. Do uh, the black? I was going to hell. Remember the book? Do the <laughs> black patent leather schools re- shoes really reflect up? Yeah, they do. Um, well, the other one was the Board of Trade Visitors Gallery. Oh, fine. Now, my conversation with this guy was. Because at the time, uh, PTI Securities, um, we were we were never part of this seminar firm in terms of ownership or anything, but uh-huh. we were, shall we say, conducive. They would run option seminars at least two times a month, like for a whole week, and people would show up on you know Monday morning, and the classes would start at ten and they'd go all the way to Friday night, and uh, I'm going to say the average amount of people sixty sixty five, so we're talking. 65 people, a lot of them weren't couples, so we're talking 40 hotel rooms for four mm-hmm. nights. We're talking breakfast, lunch, and dinner here for four days. We would yeah. take we would take everybody out to Excelsior one night at PTI, uh, and my brother would give a lecture on, on you know, wh- what a broker does for you, what you know, what a stop order is, what this, but nothing to do with strategies or anything like that. It was it was about these are the types of orders, these are how you put one, and if you put a stop in, this is what it means. Here's a good to cancel. Most people don't know that, right? So we would do that, yeah. and uh, maybe I talk a little bit about the OEX, and we would do a mock trading seminar. 
thing over at the o, uh, at the CBOE, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is cool. We always had you were there a couple times for those, I think. Uh, oh yeah, and, so used to get to run those. They yeah, were they, they were fun. So so we would we this group was together, uh, let's say sixty times, twenty times a year. We're bringing twelve hundred people to town that wouldn't normally be here, and w- which is you know how many it's it's five thousand dinners. It's what, and my point to this guy is, a lot of people do this. A lot of people create the city the way it is. I mean, the the board of trade doesn't get paid from the city every time shows somebody shows up up there. How how does mm-hmm. something become this vibrant thing where everybody's involved, to where somebody's saying, "Wait a minute, these people are here only because of me, and you better pay me, or I, I should get this deal for bringing them here." Where, where's the where's the line? Where's the window? And I would say to I said to this dude. If there's a window that if you bring 50 people, one person from out of town into this city that wouldn't normally be here because of you, and they spend 10 grand, somehow or another, you should be able to go to this window and say, I should get 1% of that from you guys to defray my expenses because look what I did for everybody else. And he's like, no, you don't get to do that. You're not big enough. You're not the Cubs or the Bears. Okay, now there's... a now there's a size problem here. Now, if, if, mm-hmm. I, have, if I brought in 5,000 people, do I get to go to the window? No, nobody gives a, a, a bleep about PTI securities. We care about the Cubs. Okay, so it's only people that you like <laughs> versus people yeah. that are actually bringing money into the place. So if somebody could walk up here and say, I bring in 100 times the revenue, which the Board of Trade probably could have said, than the Bears or the Cubs, uh, and employ, I, I, a, you know, yeah. I have an industry that employs tens of thousands of people. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's very possible that the uh, exchanges, but being located in Chicago, um, you know, have a bigger financial impact than the bears of the country. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And, 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 and it, as far as uh, taxing, et cetera, goes, what's the city usually proposed with respect to the financial exchanges in Chicago? A new tax. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and it, it, you know, I, I'm not saying that that they shouldn't pay taxes, but why should you? Know, probably one of the more successful industries in Chicago, and that makes Chicago what it is. Made Chicago uh, what it is. Not know, anymore. I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. If 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 the exchanges all moved down to Texas, like the Option Industry Council did, and you know, and everybody else transferred down there. Um, you know, what do you think would happen to if if the financial industry disappeared in Chicago for some reason? The financial industry is how is easy ten- do you think it would be to get Cubs season tickets? Real easy. Well, what percentage? Yeah. Wait a minute. How many people do you think are in the financial industry compared to 15 years ago? I'm going to say about 10 percent. Uh, well, not 10 percent, but uh, well, how many? Know, definitely the number. The numbers have gone down, but it's still a significant. Uh, how many people part of being part of Chicago? But you know what? I mean, they. I went to a hedge fund networking event at, at Ceres. I, I checked, and you weren't at the bar uh, about a month ago. I, I went to that. Th- I went to the same group 15 years ago. There'd be two, three hundred people there. There were maybe 20 or 25. I went to a very similar event down in Miami, and they were turning people away. Yeah, that are in the industry. Well, Every, they, it, you know, the, and it's not that Miami has been paying firms to move. It's just that Florida is a much more business conducive state. So, you know, instead of, uh, you know, dumping some money into the professional sports teams, which is what, they, what seems to be the, who gets the support in 
Chicago and Illinois, how about just make it a little bit more business friendly and then everything else will organically fall in place, like a group, groups continuously coming in to learn about trading. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, I mean, but that was... I think it's difficult but, that... Well, I'm just saying and, we... And we that's, unfortunately, that's what they do. And it's getting ready to get a hell of a lot worse because they're getting ready, ready to reassess everybody's property for the first time since before COVID. Well... And oh my God, the property taxes in Chicago. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, it's going to get worse. Well, and the attitude yeah. is that that somehow the people who are leaving. I mean, I that was got to just listen yesterday. They got some community 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 organizer preacher sort of dude, mm-hmm. and he comes in and now I, I just you know I, I don't don't really like talking religion on the air, mm-hmm. but in terms of money. The place that I grew up, and I, you know, I, all the stuff with the Catholic priests and so forth. I mean, I, a lot of that stuff is really deplorable. And I, you know, all I, all I can say is, Russell, I never saw any of it. I mean, I, mm-hmm. maybe I was lucky or whatever, but I went to grammar school at St. John Fisher. They had three priests that worked their tail off. If you were in a hospital for a, a, an hour, they were there. They had mm-hmm. two two station wagons, literally with three on a tree, without a radio. Is what they drove. They didn't. There was no money there. There was the money they used was to help kids for, with tuition. They couldn't pay the two hundred bucks tuition. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea of these these you know the, the preacher is this rich guy with three. That this is somehow a livelihood of any of any stretch. I I just can't go there. But anyway, there's a guy yesterday on there talking about how important it is to. Uh, vote for this new, I don't even know this new tax thing. They put, they're put they putting it to a popular vote whether people who sell a house for over a million dollars should pay way more in transfer taxes than other people. The idea of democracy, is democracy really having four wolves and one chicken uh, voting what they have for dinner? I mean, it... Yeah, actually it, pure democracy is. Yeah, but what, what, are we, what are we doing here? We can't have tyranny of majority, tyranny of minority. Why, why, why? If I have a, if I can afford that kind of a house, and I see what's happening downtown, what possessed me ever to buy a house here like that? I, unless you, unless you know you, unless money is no object to anything that you do, uh, I don't know why you would. But the idea of I the really don't. the exchanges, there are a lot of other places in America you can live. And, and you might say to yourself, I mean, I, don't take this wrong, at, at, at your level. You know, big time. You know, executive author, professor. That's by the way, it's a compliment, not anything else. The thing that made the exchanges here so unique in those days, it took a boatload of people to run an exchange. Now, now it doesn't. Yeah. Now it doesn't. No. But you had a unique thing. You had a train station that pulled into the freaking building for God's sake. You, oh, you've got yeah. you got three L lines that, that, that stop in front of the place. You could take literally full train loads of people, not full, where 60, 70% of them piled off on the south side for 35 hours a month for a train ticket and walked into the building, and you didn't have to pay them an arm and a leg to be the clerks, to be the runners, to be the... That's not happening in Miami. That's not happening in Phoenix. No, no, it's not. It's it's the the guys kind of at our level that that can work wherever they choose to work um, that... You know, have moved down there, and you know they're they're not take unless you're like Citadel, which kind of took everybody with them to Florida. Um, you know, if, if 
the consulting that I do right now, I'm completely independent, and I'm not. I don't. I don't have anybody working for me for my side consulting. But uh, if I did, they would probably be remote, and I could care less where they live. But if I felt like I needed somebody physical, and you know, I'm only in Chicago for another year and a half or so until my kid graduates high school, I'm not taking that person to another city with me. Well, I mean, I would. Uh... You know, and I, so those jobs exist, but they don't exist for people in Chicago anymore. Well, I would, you know, it's it's, and and there were a lot of blue collar type jobs. Oh, sure, there were the exchanges back in the day. Without and a doubt, you know, and you have the Occupy Wall Street people outside of the exchange ten years ago, uh, protesting, and uh, you know, if if you took the average salary of the people on the trading floor, it's probably not that high because you know it, it was five percent of people making ninety five percent of the money. Well, you had you had a. Thousand people but you had a whole lot of support that you don't necessarily have anymore, and some of the support has moved to other states because yeah. of you know concerns around Illinois. And I last night I met a professor last night who um, is at uh, IU Indianapolis now, uh, who left UIC and took a pay cut to get out of Chicago. Oh, now when when professors get together, do you all call each other professor? No. I don't even make my students call me professor. I'm, you know, I'm I'm very very laid back about they, that. They they call me Mister Tibbs. Remember no, that? No, they just call me Russell. Oh, all right. Remember that? Remember that line? Uh, yeah, I do. I but then your your kids are your kids are graduate school people. Uh, oh no, my kids are not graduate school people. I mean, you're the people you're teaching. I thought you were doing only graduate school. Oh, those, oh, I only teach graduate schools. Yeah, I, mean, I only teach graduate schools. I mean, like right like now. the people Kevin teach teaches. They're all they're all mostly all adults. I mean, so he, I'm sure he's <laughs> on a first same. name basis. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I you know, I I got and also it's funny you bring that up because I had a this week is the beginning of the spring quarter and I got a first class last night and somebody asked me um, what they should refer to me as and I said just call me Russell. I said in the past. Uh, you know, I've said Professor Rhodes, but then people that want to mess with me and, and needle me will start calling me by my first name. So I'm just going to beat you to the punch and say, call me by my first name. Well, I, you know, when I went to, uh, well, I was I was in uh, high school, actually, where, of course, it's mm-hmm. very formal. And uh, well, the Catholic school it was. And my stepfather, was he, was, he had to be one of the original, I don't know if it was the original class, but it was pretty close, the executive program at the University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was down at the 190, and they'd go on Friday one week and Saturday the next week, right? And uh, yeah. so he, he gets, we all graduated. I think I graduated high school. My brother graduated grammar school, and my stepfather graduated graduate school all in the same day, basically. <laughs> so we had, you know, we had a party. Yeah, we had a party. And uh, but that was a whole difference there. And my mother would say, well, where were you? Well, we all went out drinking with the professor. They'd all go to Martini's, which was this bar down, you know, about a few blocks away. They'd go over there every Friday night and get trashed with the, all, the, all the teachers that head over with all the students. <laughs> They're all the same age. <laughs> they'd drink Martini's all night. I mean, uh, kind of a different world, but um, I think they probably learned more there than they did in class. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, with, with the, the issues you have, uh, Russell, is I, my concern with today's world is a little bit I mean we've had we've had some problems and, and mm-hmm. like the city of Chicago is broke now yesterday or last week they, they passed a, a, a ordinance calling for a ceasefire in Gaza mm-hmm. and now we're going to spend 
countless hours on a stadium and we're worried about this vote where this this guy who's probably never had a real job in his life is 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 telling people to get out and vote against these other people it's all about getting money and i and i understand that the the uh immigration stuff you know people coming off on buses is a problem okay i get it i understand people running across the rio grande is a problem i'm not that that naive but a lot of the the wordage is not we should be doing something about these people you know at the border there should be places to catch everybody places to figure out if they're sick if they're not there should be somebody should figure out whether somebody's a trained nurse or carpenter before we stick them some someplace and actually maybe we could get them a job since we have shortages in those areas uh it's all about they're liable to get money that's destined for me and yet i don't i don't feel that way yet a significant part of our society does somehow or another we got to stop that i mean wait a minute if, if they get a dime i won't i'm going to get nine cents less or two cents less because i'm on the dole too boy oh boy it's i mean i don't russell somehow or another we got to Otherwise, the the people who are working are just going to leave places like Chicago. We're going to become another Akron or someplace. You can't, oh yeah, you can't do no, that. I, with I, the, you know what? I I'm I'm an example of it. Yeah, I'm totally an example of it. I I was I had a a, a good job at Loyola. Um, I was uh, I, I mean I'm, I feel like I'm at a better school now at Kelly, and and Loyola was totally fine. But um, you know I had a good job at Loyola. I I liked being in Chicago and then you know basically had a, had a very bad incident with a couple of bad people on the street in Chicago and and the word, not, the, word, the word is mugged yeah well no actually no mugged they didn't take anything they just beat the crap out of me and called me a bunch of names for the heck of it um, and made me it made me spill my diet coke from my McDonald's breakfast but uh, but you know what I went right up to my office and found it I was like that's it I'm done I'm out of here and you know it's not but and but i'm 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 a pretty common example yeah you know i i you know i've got people you know we both have people we've known in this industry our whole lives and slowly but surely um they're they're not lurking around in chicago anymore no no they are not you know, tracking somebody down oh i'm you know i'm out in colorado now and doing the exact same thing i was doing in chicago would you would you mind when we, we come back from break uh mm-hmm. the listeners have already talk to Kevin about this on a more esoteric scale in terms of uh, um, information in the market and the thing I'm talking about, I don't know if you saw this, this Palo Alto Networks this rattle last yeah. night was $38, it's down 90 bucks, and all I'm seeing is massive moves totally without any regard appears to the the market's estimate and I'm wondering now should I be believing the VIX here should I be believing this NVIDIA price What's going on? Why all of a sudden are these moves so much greater than anybody would have predicted by looking at the market? Is there something wrong? We'll, we'll get your opinion on that. We got SP Futures down 17, NASDAQ Futures down 115. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. 
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, North Face Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 18 now. NASDAQ Futures down 125. We just keep leaking here. Uh, it's been uh, it's the lowest I've seen it this morning. Dow Futures down 77. Again, the stocks that are kind of going nuts here is Palo Alto's down 90 bucks at this uh, SMCI, which is almost like a uh, crazy stock the last couple of weeks, down 33 bucks. Uh, in the Dow, not, not really much of anything. Well, again, Nvi- NVIDIA's down 14. So it's down a bunch from its high uh, uh, last Friday. It's got earnings tonight, so the market's really. Kind of very concerned about their earnings tonight. Microsoft down three bucks, and Meta down three bucks. So all the the big guys were down in the last couple of days. It looks like they're heading south here again today, at least so far. Now Meta and uh, Nvidia, the guy usually pulls a rabbit out of his head on earnings. We'll see if he does tonight. Over in Europe, DAX up 61.4 percent, FTSE down 59.7 percent, CAC around up 9.1 percent. So they were they were all up. Uh, Higher last hour, but a couple of them are still up, but they're not up as much as they were. In Asia, uh, Nikkei down 101.3 percent, 
Hang Seng, though, up 255, 1.6%, over 16,000, 16,503. Shanghai up 28 bucks, 29.50, trying to get back over 3,000. Uh, we'll see. The Chinese are trying, doing the best they can to get their markets back up here. We'll see if they succeed. Uh, yesterday, Dow down 64, S&P down 30, NASDAQ down 145, that was 0.9%. Bonds uh, unchanged at 4.27, the 10-year to Bund up 2 basis points, 2.39, Japan unchanged 0.72, so not much going on there. Oil down 21 cents, 76.83, so I'm going to say the new range is probably 73 to 79 versus 69 to 75, so the range seems to have kicked up a few bucks. Brent uh, down 23 cents, 82.11. Natural gas up 14, 171. Arabab up a penny, 229. Uh, foreign exchange, we've got the euros at 108, virtually unchanged there. And with the, the British pound, again, unchanged at 126. Gold down a whole 60 cents, 2039. It's trying to struggle back into this 2050 spot, but not quite getting there. Silver has been getting its ass kicked, basically. It was down a bunch yesterday and down again today, down nine cents. So gold and silver kind of going in different directions, which is a little bit unusual. Copper up two cents, three eighty-nine. And we've got Bitcoin uh, down eleven hundred bucks, down to fifty-one thousand and three. Still pretty high though. What do you got for us, Travis Weather Sports? All right, it is seven thirty-six here in Chicago on Wednesday, February twenty-first. Uh, no sports to report uh, today. Nothing from our favorite teams, at the very least. Uh, but going straight into Chicago, weather is currently 47 degrees right now. We have part, excuse me, mostly cloudy skies, but that'll clear up just a little bit throughout the day to partly uh, cloudy and a high of 60 degrees. Over in Phoenix, they are currently at 50, 56 degrees. They got mostly cloudy skies. They're also going to clear up and get a little bit warmer as well with a high of 72 throughout the day. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic. Uh, a lot more in the red than our first hour. I think we still no accidents or major closures to report. Uh, but if you're coming in on the inbound roads, expect pretty heavy delays uh, nearly everywhere if you're going to downtown. Uh, expect also some delays on the outbound Kennedy. But other than that, it is about business as usual. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. So, uh, Russell, I was trying to put a earnings spread on in Palo Alto, P-A-N-W, yesterday. Uh... You know, I, the gang here that puts them on, uh, the brain trust at uh, PTI Securities was a little bearish on the stock, and we were going to go maybe 10 points below the strike where it was trading. Uh, we'd have been at $80 <laughs> wrong. <laughs> what, what is what is with all of a sudden these, these straddles and stuff and earnings plays, earnings days, they used to be so accurate, you wondered how the world did it. Now they're two and three and two and a half times earnings almost every every stock. Not everyone, but it's happening all over the place. Is, I mean, should I look at, when I look at the VIX, should I say, wait a minute, that's trading fifteen and a half. That could be thirty. What's I mean, are, are we losing grip? Is the market losing grip of the pricing of this stuff, or is it just me being too close to it? I think part of it's you being a bit too close to it because I, I track. Um, Earnings. Ver- I, I I only track the top fifty stocks from option volume from the previous year, so Palo Alto is not one of them. Um, but in this earnings season, we've seen I think we've seen like ten or twelve of the fifty have had big outlier moves, and usually it's only like five to eight or so. It's usually below ten percent or around ten percent of them or so. So there have been more outlier moves here. Part of that, and and you'll you'll love this. Uh, part of that is we get more outlier moves on the fourth quarter of companies' reports uh, 
We get more outlier moves in the fourth quarter than the first, second, and third quarter. You know why? Um, actually, I don't know why. Because the um, ever since Sarbanes-Oxley in the early 2000s came out after the internet bubble stuff, uh, the CEO and, and some other officers of a company attest that the earnings are accurate. And if they're not, they actually have legal liability. They used to not. So ever since that happened, you see more outlier moves in the fourth quarter for companies because if they make a mistake, if they make a mistake in the first, second, or third quarter, uh, it's not as much of a legal issue as it is in the fourth quarter. I'll believe it when one of those guys goes to jail. Yeah. But, well, no, but that just, yeah. but, but because that's hanging over their head, you know, if you're, if, if you're thinking about fudging the numbers a bit, and I've worked for a couple of public companies, and I've, I've you know, known what the numbers are going to be and how we tried to, to, you know, put the message out there to make sure we didn't have a complete disaster a couple of times. Um, that, you know, companies are aware when their numbers are going to be a little bit light. They try to try to offset that the best they can. But if, you know, if, if you're legal, if you've got legal ramifications, only one of the four reports, you're probably going to be a lot more certain, certain that everything's accurate and a lot less likely to fudge things. Uh, on the on the one that you you know you've got some legal liability around, so that may be why recently a lot of companies this this is their fourth quarter uh, that they're reporting right now. So you may have seen that. I've got a pretty strong opinion on Palo Alto Networks, and uh, do you remember what the first you know what the first two companies that started to crack before the internet bubble fell apart were EMC and Cisco. Cisco, I know. I mean, I would not have guessed that, but I... EMC and yeah. Cisco about that. And the reason I remember EMC is I I had an... And this is not illegal inside information, but I did have an in with a couple of distributors that would take EMC products from Asia and then distribute them around the U.S. And I'd go visit them a couple of times a year when I worked for a hedge fund. And I visited them before EMC fell apart. And just all of... They were only shipping things that they had orders for them. And their warehouse was like half full compared to what I had seen in the past. There wasn't, uh, there wasn't, what's his name's company, was it? The guy who ran for president? The guy with the, guy with the big ears. I don't know. I, he I, ran when, when, Clinton and, when Clinton and Bush ran. Who was, what was his Oh, name? you're talking about Ross Perot. No, Ross Perot was a, uh, was EMC Ross Perot? I, if it wasn't EMC, it was something, some, something close to that. Yeah. I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was like defense. No, he was. Electri- he was electronic data systems. EDS. Oh, EDS. Okay. EMC. Okay. I know it was close. EMC, right. EMC. You know. You know when you put your your number in the ATM. Yeah. And it and it knows you're correct very quickly. EMC came up with the, the disk drive technology that allows you to quickly to, allows for very quick searches, which okay. was very important in the early days of the internet. But their customers were the internet companies. Uh, Palo Alto Networks, their customers are everybody. <laughs> they sell into government. They, I'm trying to find, you know, the, their biggest customers. Uh, it looked, and I was looking at um, what, where their geographic breakdown is. About three quarters of their revenues come from here, the U.S. Um, they, they basically, they've got like forty thousand plus customers. So they supply across the economy. And if they're suddenly seeing weak numbers, uh, the economy might be weakening. Well, I, I was just going to, my next and question to you was going to be just that. Well, and if the economy is weakening, this is, this is what's just really, and I'm just going to say F up about uh, this situation. 
if Palo Alto is just seeing weakness across the board with, with their whole customer base, and I don't know if that's the case, um, I, you know, I've just seen the numbers, but if that ends up being the case, that could be positive for the stock market. Well, because that can speed up a rate cut, and that is so counterintuitive. But you know, so if if you know, if you start, if if we take a look at uh, what the market's pricing in with respect to the next rate cut, right now it's saying uh, June, and that number hasn't changed too much. But if that if it starts to look like we're going to get a rate cut in early May, the stock market's actually going to like that. So Palo Alto's bad numbers could be good short term for the stock market. Okay, I'm so not saying go, I'm, I'm not saying go buy the S and P 500, um, and I don't think that's how it should react. But I, that's the kind of reaction we may see to that. Well, there's two. You you just said a mouthful in terms of me coming up with questions. So I hope you're ready. Um, how, how many people, when they say what you just said, if we get a rate cut, it should be good for the market? have any clue that since the market, the rates used to be 0.25 and are now 5.25, that the market has been up over that time frame? Yeah, it has been. Okay, so why should I believe that... I'm not saying it makes sense. I'm just saying that that's what the reaction might be. Well, I mean, I I have an article up here that, of course, I can't find because I cleaned the place up. Uh, It had to do with with a guy. Um, I think he was a CNBC writer. Well, I don't haven't heard from him since. Wrote this article and said, if we go into a recession, now of course there are people like me that think we've been in a recession for like a real long time. But, uh, yeah. but the uh, he goes, if we go into a recession, don't assume that the market is going to go down. Matter of fact, it's probably going to go up because we just came out of. No matter what you say about COVID, the fact is it was a depression. The, the economy yeah. shut down for essentially two years. And the market went straight up because the Fed poured money in and, and just propped everything up. So if we go into a recession, I mean, if, the, the few times I have not, I guess I always enjoy it, Russell, because I'm still here, uh, not really like trading the market so much. And there's probably been three or four of those times in my career when it's the no news, the bad news is good news and the good news is bad news yeah. crap. I think it's, it's so totally counterintuitive and so screwed up that I just... I mean, this idea now that if that the talking heads all day long and the administration and you name it, everything is, is beautiful. You and I know it's not. The, the differences between the establishment survey and the household survey and the labor the numbers, the last two months, Carl said he's never seen anything like it in his decades of tracking this stuff. We're talking a million difference a month. I mean, every day there's layoffs every place. Yet, so when somebody comes out and says their stock, by the way, it's not all rosy. And the stock gets his ass kicked. It's a different story than we're getting from somebody, because the inflation-adjusted numbers. I mean, I just this this affects people. I mean, I just I just uh, finally my my truck search. I ended up with a, a new truck, uh, and it, and it, you know it looks like maybe to you know I'm gonna some place down the line I'm gonna I need I'm gonna need some tires. You know I always get you know really nice tires. So the last time I did this for the suburban. I'm going to say it was three, three, three and a half years ago. I bought a couple tires, and you had the basically the the pick of the litter for 165 hours, 175. If you wanted the high end Michelins, maybe 185. So yesterday I go online, you can't touch one for under 270 now. Mm-hmm. Now, if I buy 
four tires now now we're talking 1200 bucks versus 800 bucks is that positive for the economy or not if if you if you're not keeping track of the inflation like you should all of a sudden it looks like the consumer me is is doing great no i'm not i'm not, not doing great at all i'm paying 40% more for tires than i did 4 years ago and i'm hating every moment of it and by the way it's it's a beer i'm not going to buy some some place somewhere who's going to i can't spend the money some other place right whether whether i'm a gazillionaire or i'm a pauper it doesn't matter i can only spend it once right or um, it's gonna, I'm going to take it out of savings, which means somebody else can't borrow it from a bank to build their hot dog stand. It, there's no such thing as a free lunch here, is there? Anywhere? No. Well, unless um, unless you can pit enough people against each other to give you a sweetheart deal. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, can always, you can always do that. <laughs> which, go, which goes back. Which goes back to the uh, goes back to the first. Uh, you know, yeah. To, to the first hour and, and the government's pitting against each other. But when 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 does I don't believe, as, as a monetarist, that not only just at heart but through and through, I don't believe this is a this is a forever game. That you can constantly put money in, over over, lie on the inflation number, and have everybody feel like they're okay. We're talking, mm-hmm. you know, four hundred dollars that I'm not going to spend somewhere else if I get these tires. Than three years ago. Yeah. Now, you, you can tell me it's really only fifty dollars more. But, but you're wrong. It's 400 hours more, right? Not to mention the tax now. The biggest benefactor of this is now how much am I going to pay more in, in taxes? Oh, in Chicago, what? It's 11%. So I got uh, to pay these idiots 115 bucks for tax or 125 hours on tax on these tires where four years ago it would have been 80. You can't tell me they're not loving it. No, they're, they're loving it to a certain point. Yeah. And... But you know what? What stops you from crossing the border and getting and paying a lower uh, sales tax? Um, actually, I might do that. Yeah. The place. I in, mean, it's, at a certain point, it makes sense. Actually, there's a place in South Bend that uh, does all these discount tires, and I could go down there on the yeah. same. Well, if hell, I, you can you can go to you can, uh, you can go to you don't even have to go all the way over to South Bend. Yeah, but if I'm there, I could go go to Kevin. I go to a a baseball game, talk him into buying me a beer. I mean, it could, you know, what the heck? We could, we could cover, we could kill how many fish with one hook here. Not saying Kevin's a fish. No, I understand. But uh, you so, know, but, but, the other is, and that's what, and, and I actually think it's good for U.S. business that states can compete with each other to, to set the best terms for businesses. Um. Because if you had, you know, if you had, if if we were a pure democracy with just one big federal government, um, they they could dictate all kinds of stuff all day long, and you wouldn't have any alternatives. Now, if you know, if the city of Chicago decides, yes, we're going to tax, you know, we're we're going to put a tax on financial transactions that occur with companies based in Chicago, those companies can can leave. Okay, except and they, and they can and. They they don't have to make they don't have to take everybody with them, but they can you know they can move to a more tax friendly state. And I'll guarantee you, they're a state that will line up to try to you know. Pull I have, I have uh, two two issues with that. One is, um, I don't like the idea of uh, these are not. How can I say this? If you buy something, if you buy a hundred shares of uh, Nvidia at PTI Securities, and you know we're not. One of the super discount online places, but we're you know we're pretty competitive. 
uh, and all of a sudden you, you don't like it tomorrow and you want out, okay, you're, you're talking about a nano piece of the transaction of us getting in and out compared to the transaction. If you end up me moving to Illinois to be in a, in a business where all of a sudden I'm in a building and I got a six-year lease and by the way, I put all the infrastructure stuff in and my I bought a house here and other people have bought houses here, condos, whatever it is, and you change this on me five years from now or two years from now, now I got a problem because we're not talking about 100 shares of NVIDIA in and out. What's it going to cost me to make that move now? Uh, and the other point is, I, I don't have a problem with states putting their 10-stage taxation up on a piece of paper. And for some people, this state's going to be better. If you're, if, I'm going to say, you can die at any age, of course. Tomorrow's promise to nobody, as they say. Uh, but the if you go to, everybody thinks the best place to re- retire is Wyoming. I'm thinking it's a non-starter because... I seem to have read somewhere, and maybe it's not Wyoming, maybe it's Idaho, one of those places has by far the highest estate tax. So you might want to move there, but you better not croak there. Um, So, I mean, you you sort of have to be careful, but the thing I absolutely find unconscionable that I don't even think Caesar wanted is for the state tax rate to be 5% and for me to walk up to the governor, I'm willing to do this in your state for as long as it's 0% and him saying okay. That, That I have a real, real problem with. Because I don't... I mean, that, that, that's, I don't think that's what you're talking about. Uh, where you, no, you, you, not, not that blatant. But, but, that's, but that's what it is. I mean, I, I don't want to... That's kind of what it's turned into. Yeah, it's turned into. And I, that, I think, is, is... I mean, nobody, I don't think, Washington or Lincoln or Roosevelt ever wanted the power where if you walked in and said, I'm willing to move here from Britain, but you, I don't have to pay income tax, and them saying, okay. I, I don't I don't think we want to we want to go down that road and yet we're well down that road aren't we oh yeah no no they're com- and and I, I think there are pros and cons to states competing with each other um, I if you just you you look at a country like Russia where the power is really with the central government you know they they make up laws and yeah. go arrest people when they feel like it and one of the one of the great things about the system that we have in place, which is not a democracy, it's a republic, is it it will guard you know the minority of people's rights through the checks and balances that we have. Well, you mentioned you know, Indiana. I and mean, if you know you, you if we were a pure democracy and you were talking about you know the, the four wolves and one chicken and you know they're going to vote on one have for dinner, um, you know, fifty-one percent of people decide they can they, they want to take everything away from anybody that has a million dollars plus in a democracy. They can pull that off. Oh sure, I mean it's yeah, they can't can pull that off in the U.S. But it's called tyranny in the majority, right? Yep. And when I I when I hear you know the argument that we can't have Trump as president again because it's a threat to democracy, I'm like, yeah, if if, if you really know what you're saying there. <laughs> There's probably better ways to argue against letting him run than a threat to democracy. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not a threat to, to democracy in the sense that you put him in. So you see, the idea why anybody would want him in is is the and we can yeah. go with the other side. Well, there are plenty of other arguments against electing him. Yeah, um, you know, threat to democracy. I don't think is is one that um, if anybody understands what that statement actually means and right. what the repercussions would be if we turned it into one. 
Um, By the way, you... I, uh, I, I, honestly, I think if we had a new constitution, we turned into a pure democracy, uh, you, you would find me teaching in Europe. I'd be gone. Well, I wouldn't be a bit surprised on that, but the, uh, well, as you uh, mentioned your, your favorite state now of Indiana, I get to give you a little grief. I also yeah. got to ask you about the dog. I notice as you are, uh, would gleefully go across the border to buy tires in Indiana versus Illinois, which maybe I will <laughs> as well, uh, uh-huh. I notice you're not buying a new car in Indiana and paying the license plates in Indiana because you're getting that's that's gonna that's sticking you where the sun don't shine don't they charge you a a percentage every do. year I don't I don't really know because um, I'd look up know, I'd look house, into that they they charge you my house, I just I just bought a car um, and if you, if you see customized white socks plates with with Vicks on the back of it honk and say hi well, I'm going to say you are very happy you didn't buy that car in Indiana. Oh, I know. No, I know they're they're you know different expenses for in in different states. What what is the deal wow. when you when you go to get your license plate? They charge you like a percentage of what the car is worth or something. Yeah, it's like and and Indiana's not the only state. I used to live in you know I grew up in Memphis, which is on the border with Mississippi, and Mississippi had um, your your license plates were a percent of the value of your car. And my my aunt and uncle who lived in in suburban Memphis, but on the Mississippi side, uh, they used my dad's address for the license plates. Well, how many people that that, that rant and rave in Illinois about mm-hmm. taxes, especially older people, mm-hmm. have no friggin' clue that Illinois is I don't know how many states. It's one of the, I don't think there's very many that don't that do not tax your Social Security. I'm not really. I luckily, I'm not at that point. Yet. No, but I'm saying it's it's a real number. So yeah. I, I actually, when when everybody wanted to move to Wisconsin, like a couple of years ago, why don't we all move to Wisconsin, still Illinois? I actually went through. I think my buddy Bob Golden was still alive, and he he had lived in Wisconsin, and he said, "What are these idiots talking about? When you look at your income tax, your property taxes, and everything else, he goes, Wisconsin's more expensive living in Illinois." I mean, they're, they're like. I, I do think down here is cheaper than... Well, oh, I, I think in the end is for sure, yeah. yeah. But I, I haven't done all of the side-by-side stuff, and, and I think my attitude about it is the government's going to get the cash out of you one way or another. Yeah, they're, they're going to get the cash out of you one way or the other. It's, it's the, the, the amount... I have, I have a hard stop because i got a call with somebody in a couple of minutes. Okay. So All right, what's, the, what's the story on the dog? What's the story on the dog? dog's doing great. She, uh, I think I told you we officially adopted her. Yeah. Uh, She's doing absolutely awesome. A little angry at me because I've uh, I haven't been around too much, and I'm actually going to be out of town all next week. But she's doing great. She's uh, um, you know in charge of the house, chasing balls, running around. That dog's going to live forever. Well, As my good. mom used to say about old people, she's going to outlive us all. Well, uh, when they used to have the, remember the big huge death pool they had on, on the floor. Your buddy Marty oh, King. Yeah. Well. Everybody in the OEX pit every year would pick the queen mum. And would she make it to like 110 or something? <laughs> so the more the words of Danny Callahan, why are you picking these old people, you idiots? They're old because they don't die. <laughs> they don't die. I, uh, I, w- I won one of those once with Benny Hill. Really? Yeah, but here's the best part of it. You know, you may not know this, but Benny Hill was dead for several days before they found him. I don't. I still. I watch some. Watch that show sometimes on Real Life, 
It it is hilarious. It is hilarious. Talk about off color. Could it? Could you even run yeah. it on TV today? No, I, I I don't think I I don't know if you could even find it on TV. But it uh, it shows how inappropriate we were back in the day. I don't know. It was inappropriate. Uh, we had a sense of humor. Well, we had yeah. I mean, you know what I mean. Inappropriate in this day and age. You know, well, him chasing a girl, chasing a girl around, and you know. Well, I mean, it's what. So let me get it's this straight. Silly. It, I, I agree. It's silly, funny, but. There's so many people that would be offended. By well, that. we're not. This is this is so bizarre, well, Russ. I know you got to go. Uh-huh. We we're we're not supposed to act like we're out to out to find somebody from the opposite sex. Yet every commercial every day is for this this kind of stuff to spray on yourself, to, so the girls like you, or the guys like you, or every everybody's running out and buying all these 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 clothes to make you look good. Yeah, we're not supposed to act like we're actually looking for somebody from the opposite sex. Duh, we are. Heaven forbid. Yeah, heaven forbid. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, a big future. Heaven, heaven forbid. I had, I would have to date at this time. Oh I, God, I, 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 I'd, I'd be bad at it. I wasn't good at it when I was young. SP futures down yeah. thirteen. Nasdaq futures down one hundred three. Uh, back tomorrow. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. That's all, folks.